not open your Bible to Philippians chapter 3. Happy birthday. Philippians chapter number 3. This uh, past week or two, we've been talking about why we fish. Why we go after people. Why we try to catch people. Why it's important for us to do it. Uh, Jesus did not mention peace, love, joy, or anything else whenever he first met Simon Peter. When he first met Simon Peter, he said, follow me. And I'm going to teach you how to catch people. I'm going to teach you how to be a fisher of men. I'm going to teach you how to catch uh, what's important to me. So God showed what was important and imperative to his life, uh, to, to his kingdom, to his ways, to his principles. And that is people. Meaning he didn't hang on the cross because he had a debt to pay. He hung on the cross because you had a debt to pay. Because I had a debt to pay. So what's very important to Jesus, what's very important to his Father, and, and, and if you're on the fence anywhere with that, God is, God is this, okay? He's three parts, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, he's one. So he's three in one. Uh, if you want an example of that, uh, we can look at water. Uh, water is uh, uh, one thing. Water, you drink a glass of water, it's H2O, it's one uh, compound or it's one uh, entity it's one type uh, of thing but you can find water three different ways you can find water in liquid uh, in the form of just regular water you can find water in, in, in solid in the form of ice and you can find water in vapor in the form of steam but all three of those are still water they're just a different representation of water so God is three parts uh, similar to water uh, which is why we're so proud that the Lord used wor uh, uh, terminology like the water of the word. Uh, he's always, he's very, he's very uh, repetitive in his ways. He has a lot of uh, natures that you have to search out. The Bible says uh, that, that kings, it's, it's their joy and their honor to search out uh, what the word of God is saying. So uh, there's so many different things that tie into it, but God is three Yet once was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So uh, when you see uh, uh, the Father in the Scripture uh, exclusively, He's in heaven or he's, he's in that dimension. He's in that dispensation, he's in that era. He's in that, he's in that arena. Uh, his Son can be found in, in, in more than one spot. Uh, the Holy Spirit can be found in more than one spot. Uh, but His Son is found in heaven at some points, and He's found at earth in other points. The, the Holy Spirit uh, was found uh, uh, in, in the creation story uh, in Genesis but then also he's found in heaven and he's also found in earth. So uh, Jesus came to earth and was born of a virgin, meaning his father is God. So Jesus was born of a virgin and he lived for 33 approximately years on earth. Uh, we don't have too much record of from when he was born to when he turned 30 years old. There's some scripture there, but there's not much. Uh, but then from 30 to 33, we have uh, his ministry. That's when his ministry really began on earth. The scripture says his ministry began on earth. So from that standpoint, uh, the question is, is what's God like? Well, here's what God is like. God is like Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those are the gospels, they're the canons. Those are the uh, foundations of our scripture, of our new testimony, of our new testament. And Jesus uh, is the fullness, the Bible said, of the Godhead bodily. 
And the way that we know that God is three parts is not just because the Scripture shows us in types and shadow and specifically mentions it. We also see that when Jesus Christ was baptized in water, which, by the way, if you've never been baptized in water, very soon uh, we're going to have a water baptism service uh, here at New Heights. But Jesus was baptized in water. And when he was baptized in water by his cousin, the Bible says that his dad spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Number one, you ought to always tell your children how pleased you are in them. It just builds them up. If, if God the Father says it to His Son, who's perfect, then how much more do ours, who have the, the threat of insecurities and the threat of uh, self-consciousness, uh, 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 self-concern and all those other things, how much more do we need to build them up? So uh, His Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove and rested on Christ. Now, for me and for you, that shows us all three uh, portions, parts, or participles of the Godhead in one miraculous image. We hear the voice of the Father, we see the Son, and we see the Holy Spirit all in the exact same uh, uh, image, all in the exact same moment. So God is three parts, but if you want to know what He's like, because the Bible teaches us that Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, then God is like Jesus. When you picture God, you need not go any further than Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John to determine what He's like. So that means if you find yourself being thrown into condemnation, then you have to find a place in the Scripture where Jesus threw somebody in condemnation in His three years of ministry while He was there. Let me give you a side note. He only began to condemn the people who were trying to use religion to make it difficult to get to his father. Anybody else, he simply offered grace and then grace and then grace. So in your life and in my life, it's imperative that we have the right scripture, excuse me, the right lens that we look through uh, when it comes to understanding what God is like. Because there's uh, 18,000 different ways that you can uh, hear about people talking about Him. But if you want to know what God is like, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He went around helping people, healing people, saving people, touching people, blessing people, uh, anointing people, changing people's lives for the better. These are the things that Jesus did, and these are the things that God still does today. So that's who God is in a nutshell. So when we find God meeting Peter, when we find God meeting Simon on his boat or, or in the area of the sea, he says to him, he says, Behold, I will make you fishers of men. What is important to me is not that you understand that I have streets of gold in heaven and mansions in my Father's house. Even though that is good, it is not the first thing I want to talk to you about. The very first thing that I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about the fact that I am interested in the salvation and the saving of people. I am here for People. This is why I came. This is why I left my position on high. This is why I'm here. So what I want you to do is I want you to get good at it. So what Jesus did is he showed Simon and the other disciples who followed after him. He showed them how to catch people. But he didn't just show them how to catch people in one way. Because how many of you know if you're fishing there's all kinds of different fish. I like to fish. I'm very good at fishing. I don't mind telling you. I'm, I'm an amazing fisher person. 
I have been spearfishing at midnight in a rainstorm, uh, uh, wearing scuba gear, and, and I'd never been scuba diving before. It was intense. I have caught fish on trot lines. I have caught fish on fishing poles. I have caught fish with nets. I have caught fish with my hands. I have caught fish with tree limbs. I have caught fish with dogs. I have caught fish. I have caught fish. Uh, if I see a body of water, and I'm getting a lot better at it the older I get, I'm not as old as Seth, but the older I get, the better I get at abstaining from the, in, the, the, the carnal urge that I have that if I see a body of water, I have to know, is there a fish in that body of water? And if there is, I must catch it. My parents lived on a, a, a country club, a, a, a Subdivision, you know, nice area. It was the biggest house in the whole thing. Uh, just a beautiful uh, uh, place. And, and, and when they, the first time they took me over and showed me, I said, wow, Daddy. I said, this is a blessing of God. He said, yeah, you know, God's really blessed us. We're getting a, a great deal. And just, you know, just God's just so good to us. I'm, I'm great. And, and all I'm hearing, all, all I'm looking at is there's a big old 80-acre lake right off the back of their house. And he's sitting there just yapping in my ear. And all I'm sitting there thinking is bass, catfish, I might even go frog gigging. And there's people uh, playing golf all around. True story, I run a trot line in the golf course pond at their house. And it wasn't that long ago. I like to fish. But you got to fish for different fish differently. I fish for rainbow trout in Missouri. And they have a little old bitty mouth. you got to have a little bitty hook. And it's got to be just right. They have very good vision. So you can't put just big, thick fishing line. You've got to have real clear fishing lines so that they don't see it because they're, they're, they're just suspect to those things. I, I catch uh, big old nasty catfish uh, on Lake Conroe, 40, 50 foot deep in the water, a trot line, and, and you, could, you, could, you could put baling wire on it, and that catfish doesn't care. That catfish is so stupid, it'll eat soap. I mean, they're... They're crazy. It doesn't matter. You don't have to work that hard to catch them, but 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 that's what happens. And 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 and, and then you can catch bass. And catching bass is, is interesting because you know if a bass was about a hundred pounds, then then no human could swim in any lake in Texas because a bass is an extremely aggressive fish. It just doesn't view humans as food or or potential threat because of how big we are. Uh, but a bass, you got to have you know the right size hook and the right line and. You got, you got to shake the, the stuff just right. Everything is different depending on the fish that you're trying to catch. Well, here's the deal. The Lord uh, showed the, the disciples it's different with everybody you're trying to catch. He said, he said here's the deal, guys. He goes, I'm going to show you guys, and I want you all to write it down because there's going to be people thousands of years later who are going to need to know how to talk to somebody that has a lot of influence. So he met with a man named Nicodemus late at night, the Bible said. And Nicodemus was very wise. Uh, he was very, uh, he was a very high stature in the community. He was obviously very affluent. So Jesus is meeting with him at night, and he's going, he's going, listen, here's the deal, Nick. He says, you've got to get born again if you're going to enter in the kingdom of heaven. So he confounded Nicodemus 
with the simplest thing that you and me, we kick around the term born again uh, like, a, like anything else because we have a revelation of it because we're on this side of Calvary, we're on this side of the cross. But this was the first time anybody had ever heard anything like this. So he's telling him, here's how you deal with people of influence. And then he would show him through the woman at the well uh, who had had several different husbands and had all kind of different people that were ridiculing, was trying to uh, get her water by herself and not be seen by anybody because she just didn't want to mess with it. She didn't want to be ridiculed anymore. He said, and here's how you deal with people that need to be built up, that think that they don't have any value. You've got to explain to them how much value you have. So he begins to show them different ways. And then, then he says, he goes, and here's the thing. Because there's going to be some people that, that the only way you're going to catch them is to immediately let them know that they can be forgiven. There was a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. They were, she was thrown on the floor. And all the religious people, all the church folk, were fixing to kill her. They were fixing to uh, throw rocks at her until she died. Well, I have two questions. Uh, uh, number one is, where's the guy? Because it takes two to tango. If she's in the ground, he ought to be there too. Number two, Jesus, he's a lot better than I am. He looks at the crowd and he says this. He goes, he goes, whoever has never sinned before, why don't you throw the first rock? And immediately, of course, everybody's convicted because that's what God can do. In a moment, he can take you from feeling haughty and feeling like you're the one who's got it figured out to giving you a revelation of the fact that the only chance you have is for somebody who is better than you to have forgiven you and paid your price. So everybody put their rock down. Uh, But the interesting thing that you and me can see from that same point of view is that Jesus was completely lawful in throwing a rock. He just chose not to. You see, he said... Uh, the first person to throw a rock ought to be the one who's never sinned. And everybody pitched their rocks down and left. Jesus never sinned. He could have picked the rock up and thrown it a hundred times. And it would have been completely lawful. But instead he chose grace. Then he chose more grace. So for you and for me, it's important for us to get good at fishing. So Jesus showed us several different examples of how to fish. Now for, for us, it's different because when you've lived for God, for any legitimate amount of time, uh, sometimes things begin to feel mundane, repetitive. Wouldn't it be great if every morning we walked in our backyard and the tree was on fire and the tree told us to take our shoes off and then God, who was in the tree, burning up but not burning the tree, it wouldn't be great if He told us what to do that day. It would be way better in way of experiencing things. But the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. And faith is something that we can't see. It's something that we can't grab a hold of. It's something that we can't always feel. It's not something that we can be, uh, uh, that we can always sense. But it's something that we simply believe in the face of not being able to see it. So for you and for me, sometimes when you live for God, life just begins to feel mundane. It begins to feel uh, repetitive. And and it's easy to get in some sort of a, a rut of Christianity. And it's at these times that we have to take a constructive look at our own lives. In my life, for example, my my life is custom made for me. I married the girl I wanted to marry. When we started out, we didn't know exactly how many kids we wanted, but we wanted more than the national average, so we got three. I drive the truck I like to drive. I literally, the truck that I want to drive. I live in the house I want to live in. My life is custom made for me. I took my children yesterday to a monster truck rally. 
My little boy loved it. My big girl liked it. My baby hated it. <laughs> Caught a t-shirt, though. Out of a cannon. Told my little boy, Daddy can catch cannonballs. <laughs> what is it? Is it Super Bowl Sunday? What's got me... My life is custom made for me. But sometimes we have to take a step back. And instead of continuing to make our own little box more comfortable, we've got to get out of our box and show somebody else why our life is so good. And I don't mean that haughty. Everything that I have, everything I've experienced, I, I do my best to give God credit for. But we can't stay so self-focused that we lose sight of what's imperative and important to Him. We can't stay so focused on our own needs and desires that we hesitate or forget about His needs and desires. He wants to save the lost. He wants to catch people. Now, the reason that, that you and I feel mundane, the Bible says in Philippians 3 and 14, here's the reason why our life feels melancholy. This is Paul. He's writing to the Philippians. And he'd been talking about uh, uh, the, the way that he is pressing towards something, but he hadn't attained it yet. And he says, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Now, now this is a great verse, and I think you ought to quote it all the time. It's an easy one to remember for whatever reason, but I think you ought to quote it all the time. So I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ. When you look at the world today, uh, the prize for living, uh, for doing well in the world is most oftentimes the opportunity to do less. So people want to win the lottery not because they want to work 80 hours a week, it's because they don't want to work 80 hours a week. Does that make sense? People uh, save, and, and, and I think you ought to have a storehouse. I think you ought to have savings. But they save to, to, to retire at a certain age, not so that when they retire, they can say, you know what, I can't wait to retire because I'm going to work my fingers to the bone. I don't know, on the contrary. I can't wait to retire because I'm going to relax a little bit. I'm going to take some time for me. And listen to me, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm going to spend time with my family. A lot of people use uh, those kind of things uh, to just minister even better than they could have ministered when they had to uh, make a living in different areas. But the world's version of success is to gain something so great that you don't have to do anything anymore. The problem is our version of success is the high call, the prize, the prize, the thing that we're pressing for is not the ability to put our feet up and say, boy, I am so saved. Look how saved I am. Our prize is to be given the high calling, to be given an opportunity, to be given the resources, to be entrusted and empowered by God to do more in the kingdom while we're here. 
That's why in your life and my life, whenever you feel yourself uh, beginning to get melancholy or to slow down and things begin to seem mundane, it's not because uh, 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 God has left you or otherwise. It's because you were built by God for His purpose and the prize that you're, uh, you're pressing towards, the prize that you're straining to get to is not to be put on the sideline, but put me in, coach, I'm ready to play. Our prize is so different than the world. Let me win the lottery so I don't have to do anything. Our prayer is, oh God, let me just continue to serve you that you might trust me to do more for you. Let it be that you find me willing and able in the moment when somebody needs to hear the gospel so great that since you'll trust me with this little thing, you'll trust me with the big thing. See, we're pressing towards a prize, and our prize is not like the world's. Everything is different when it comes to the kingdom. Matthew 5, verse number 13. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt's lost its savor, where will it be salted? It's, it's thenceforth good for nothing. But to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. You're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill can't be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I, I was talking this week with a good friend of mine, and, and he was telling me about how God's just been blessing him, and he was telling me about some favor. He goes, man, I thought I was going to have to pay this, and it turns out it was on sale. And then when I got to the register, it was like even more on sale than that. And I was like, oh, praise God, you know, because it doesn't take me anything to, to get excited about Jesus. I just, I'll just give him credit for anything. I, just, I don't even care. I'll just give him credit. Doesn't matter to me. I just give him credit because he does more that we don't know about than more than we ever will know about. Ever, ever, ever. We were. I'll tell you last night. Doggone it! Monster trucks on my mind. We're sitting there. I'm in a luxury suite. At it's not Reliant Stadium anymore. It's called something else. Uh, but it's like the Astrodome and stuff. They just change their name, I guess, all the time for the sponsors. But anyway. We're sitting in the, the, the luxury suite, and, I, and, I, and I'm eating nachos. They're amazing. And I'm having a bite of cotton candy and a bite of popcorn. And I'm drinking a club soda because I like club soda, number one. And number two, I like my kids to take a drink of my club soda because they think it's Sprite, and then they go like that. Because <laughs> club soda tastes nothing like Sprite, for the record. So... I'm sitting there, and, and the truck's driving around with these cannons. Boom, boom, boom. And, and, and it's just a little thing, whatever. But, but we're way up there. I mean, it's hard for the thing to even shoot that far. But we're sitting there, and it goes by, and, and, and it goes on by us, and all the kids just sit down. And they're like, oh, man, next time. Because what happens is when the monster trucks wreck, which is partly one of the best parts, uh, they, they have to pass the time, so they shoot the cannons with the T-shirts in them to pass the time while they're cleaning up the monster truck wreck. So they're, they're going by and all the kids, the truck passes by and all the kids, uh, uh, you know, they, they all sit down because the truck's gone by. And all of a sudden the guy's leaving. So, so instead of having to shoot it this way, he's like way over here and he shoots it backwards. Boom. And I was like, well, praise the Lord. Look at that. And it comes right to me and boom, I catch it. And I hand it to Walker Lee. And he's like, yeah. 
thank you, Jesus. I'm like, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Nobody even knows how to act around us because we just love the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And, and, and the thing's taped in duct tape, so it takes Walker like 20 minutes to get it. To get, I wish I had a picture of this. 20 minutes to get it, to, to take the tape off the shirt. And he takes the tape off the shirt, and the shirt's like an extra large men's size. And, and he puts it on, and he's wearing his new cowboy boots that he got for Christmas. And, and the shirt, you know, it looks, you know, it's, I don't want to say it looks like a dress. It looked like a dress, though. And, and so he's wearing it. I'm like, are you sure you want to wear that? He's like, yes, sir. I said, do you want me to tuck it in? He's like, no, sir. I'm like, okay. Then he goes, look, Daddy, an, an envelope. I said, well, bless God. Open up the envelope. It's four tickets to some, uh, I, 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 can't, I don't remember what it is, but it's this month, some kind of Marvel something. I don't even know what Marvel is, but something. It's four tickets to a Marvel event. Well, my friend who invited us to go sit in his luxury suite, I said, man, I said, Walker Lee, I said, you know, we're blessed to be a blessing. That means it's good for us to give, you know, because I teach my children the laws of God and the principles of God. And I said, I said, big boy, I said, uh, I said, you want to give this to Kyle? That's his little buddy. I said, won't you give this to Kyle and his daddy and see if they want to go to this event, whatever this event is. He goes, yeah. So me and Kyle's daddy, Randy, he's probably going to listen to this on the Internet. We're sitting there. And, and we're just talking about the goodness of God. And, 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 he, and I walk over to him. He goes, man, that's the favor of God. That cannon shot right at you. I was like, yeah, you don't have the favor. <laughs> I didn't say that. I said that because he might listen on the Internet. So I look at him. And Randy's massive favor of God. He's like, that's a favor of God. Man, we got favor everywhere. And it just breaks into this, you know, man, God did this for me. And God did this for me. God's so good to me. God just, just boom. We're just, we're just loving God, man. We just love Him. We just, we really do. He saved me. Saved us. I mean, it's just a, it's a covenant friend of mine. And my little buddy, Walker Lee, walks up in his shirt dress. And he says, Mr. Randy, I want to give you these tickets. Randy opens up, he calls Kyle over. Kyle and Walker about the same age. He said, Kyle, come here, look. Kyle opens up tickets. He goes, he goes, what are these, Daddy? He said, it's tickets to Marvel, uh, Marvel, it, whatever. And Randy goes, man, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? He said, driving here, driving on the way here, Kyle was telling me how bad he wanted to go to this Marvel event. And Kyle he goes, this is tickets to the Marvel event. I think it's Spider-Man and stuff like that. This is tickets to the, to the Marvel event. And he goes, yeah. And Kyle, five, six years old, goes, thank you, Jesus. Just a favor of God. But here's the deal. You know, for, for us, we're the salt of the earth. So on this side, we've got uh, another suite that... that Man, they're just doing stuff in. And then on this side, there's another suite. And they were real quiet at the beginning of the show. And, and, then, and then they were doing stuff. And they got really loud at the end of the show. They didn't have any more fun than us. I promise you. Before it was over, they were looking. I could see their kids looking at our kids. Wish I had a shirt. Look like a dress. <laughs> Kyle's waving those tickets around. Wish I had some tickets. If the salt loses its saltiness, 
where is it savor? So for us, it's imperative that we be attractive to the world. And it's not hard to do. It's actually harder to not be attractive. When you lose just the spirit of thankfulness for what God has done for you, then somehow you just start to think it's you. And when you start to think it's you, you start to develop a spirit of piety, piousness. Look what I've accomplished. Look what I've done. But when you're just bragging about the one who's doing it for you anyway, you'll never lose your savor. You'll never lose your flavor. Can I just also say, too much salt will ruin a meal. Jesus said things so strategically. Nicodemus, man, you just got to be born again, bud. Simple, simple stuff. Woman at the well, listen. I see you're getting water. What you really need is living water. Just dropping a little truth. Boom, 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 boom. Little truth droplets. Little salty truth droplets. Not too much. When you got saved, was it because somebody explained to you exactly how we've been grafted in with the children of Israel and how all the promises flow through Abram who became Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Is it because they explained that to you in great detail and all the formalities that were behind the ten plagues that let the Israelites go free with all the gold they could carry? Was it because they had the book of Psalms memorized and you were so impressed with their ability to quote scripture that you fell on your face and got saved? Was it that much salt? Or was it just enough? Was it just enough truth in the moment when maybe you didn't even realize you were looking for it? Was it just enough to make you thirsty for more. You see, oftentimes we don't fish because of our own insecurities of what we don't know. And the enemy of God and yourself and your own self-doubt will always remind you of what you don't know. It's the God of heaven and earth who's reminding you of what you do know. If you know about what Jesus has done for you, You've got enough salt for the whole world. Sometimes we don't fish because fishing is messy. Bait is messy. Cleaning fish is messy, time-consuming. Sometimes we don't fish because there's no guarantee. I've been there. I felt that still small voice, that impression, that urging to maybe go witness to somebody. And my concern for how they would receive it stopped me. I'm not proud of it, but it's happened. 
But see, it's called fishing. It's not called catching. When you cast out your line, there's no promise that today's the day when you're going to catch. The Bible gives us a lot of peace about that. It says it this way. It says, one plants, drops a little salty truth pellet. Another waters, but God gives the increase. I know a lot of soul winners that just have an anointing for it. I, got, I know people that go uh, uh, to Mardi Gras every year. And just, I mean, they're just aggressive. But I've known others that were good and became great at it. And the way they become, became great at it was not just by formulating their tactics, which I think we ought to do, because when you go fishing, you don't just put something on there. You tie on what you think that fish will eat. You go to where you think that fish is. Strategic. That's why in the Brazos Valley, we're strategic. We're, we're not just uh, uh, trying to... Uh, we're, we're happy to tell Iowa about Jesus, but we're not in Iowa. We're in the Brazos Valley. So for us... We're focused about where we're fishing. We're focused about how we're fishing. We're focused on what we're fishing with. But so many times in our life, we get to that moment and, and we start to take credit for it. Here's the deal. I, I'm, I'm not into you know, bashing our, ourselves. I, I don't ever speak for the enemy in my life. I only say what God says to the best of my ability about my life. Meaning, I find out what the Scripture says and then that's how I talk about me. If He says I'm the righteousness of God in Christ and you say I'm not, I'm just not going to agree with you. I agree with Him. I'm not going to downplay myself if He's upplaying me. Now, obviously, He's upplaying His Son and I'm in His Son. But the soul winners that I know that went from being good to great, they're the ones that really got the revelation of one plants, one waters, and God brings the increase. Because they then begin to understand that they don't know where they are in the equation at any time. So instead of looking and looking like I'm just casting in a fish that may or may not eat, they're looking and they're saying, I wonder if somebody's already planted a seed and I'm just going to get to go water it real, real quick. They begin to see it as a team event. And really, that's what fishing is in the body of Christ. This church is designed to help you get your friends and family saved. We're going to have a good time at the Valentine's party, whatever. But it all has an ulterior motive. That somebody will come that doesn't know Christ or has gone away from Him. We'll hear something. We'll see something. And here's the thing. You're the ambassadors. And the way you are the ambassador is not by being anything specific. It's just by being your saved self. You just act like you act. Because you're the salt of the earth. You make people thirsty for more. One last example. When we go to heaven one day... And Johnny's sitting there if he makes it. He's having coffee with David and Samson. 
And Samson's sitting there having a venti, black, bold coffee with extra espresso. And David is having a venti, black coffee with extra espresso. And Johnny is having a tall, white, peppermint frap with extra whipped cream, a cherry, and no soy. Samson begins to testify. He said, I'll tell you what happened. God would come over me and I would shake and I would feel his presence and I would kill any Philistine around. I was so feared by the Philistines that if they saw me carrying a bone, they would run. Wow. King David, enjoying his coffee, yeah, I killed some Philistines. Piles of them. What was really important to me was that my heart would be after God. I, I tried to pursue Him. I tried to get closer to Him. So I'm here because of that covenant that started with Abraham, but that's kind of how I got here. Johnny taking a sip of his frap. Look at those two manly men. See, I didn't kill any Philistines. I was never called a king. I was never written about in the Bible. But you see that guy walking in right there with that whole family? I'm the one that told him about Jesus. I understand there's a lot of people that are dead because of y'all. But him and his whole family are alive because of me. can't stay so focused on our inside stuff that we forget about what's near and dear to God. See, this is why we fish. Not for our name and lights. Not for any fame or fortune. But because it's important to Him, it's important to us. Please bow your head and close your eyes.